following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. 
I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I pray that this message today will encourage your heart, that you will find the comfort of Jesus, that you will be made into the likeness of Jesus in every respect. Lord Jesus, we've come to talk about you, and we have come together in your name. And I ask, Jesus, that you would quicken the heart of every person who listens, that you would unveil our eyes, that you would give us the ability to see, the ability to hear, and the ability to speak words that are kind, that bring praise and honor to your name. Lord, thank you. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. The world moves so quickly today with cyber. It moves so quickly in business. It moves so quickly in every aspect of our life that we can be jammed with no time to think. Now, the great thinkers of history like Aristotle and other Greeks believed that it was impossible for a man to be without sin. They believed that you were always going to be doing what you don't want to do, struggling inside. And one of the great mysteries that the Apostle Paul speaks about is this mystery of How is it that God has come and he's changed everything and now a man can walk in the joy of the Lord and in freedom, in the abundance of the presence of the Holy Spirit? In fact, that God no longer has to be outside of us, but he can actually come inside. And in that process, utterly transform us make us into new creatures. Yesterday I shared out of Colossians, the first chapter. Let's review. This is Colossians 1, beginning with verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. In him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, 
You were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. If we continue, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Well, what is the hope that is held out in the gospel? The hope held out in the gospel is that you can be redeemed, that you can be changed into the likeness of Jesus, that all of that wickedness that flowed in your heart can be removed, and that you can be made righteous or made innocent in reality. Now this mystery, let's identify it a little more closely. It's found in Colossians, the first chapter. Let me begin with verse 25. I have become its servant, that is, I've become a servant of the gospel by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So what I'm going to share with you now is the fullness of God. It is the fullness of the gospel. It is a mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the saints. In other words, throughout the generations of, of Abraham, of Moses, of King David, what has been recognized as a mystery has now been fully uncovered and made plain. Verse 27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Well, what is this mystery? What is this mystery? If you look at the 27th verse of Colossians 1, the mystery is identified. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in in you, the hope of glory. Now, Aristotle and other great thinkers have always seen the human heart as reaching out, as trying to be something it is not, of trying to deal with sin and not being able to. That's the image we get through the ancient world. But now... There is a mystery. How is God going to deal with this sin? How is God going to deal with the wickedness that resides in every man's heart? Look at Romans 1 and 2. The wickedness that resides in every man's heart, how is God going to deal with that? The mystery unveils this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
In other words, God has a plan. And that plan is for God to move into you. Not to be external. Not to be something you're reaching out for, you're stretching for, you're trying to get a hold of. No, God wants to be inside of you. He wants to dwell in you. Now this glorious mystery has been revealed among the Gentiles. The richness of this mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Paul is saying, no, you're not going to always have to struggle. God wants to come and live in you. And if God comes and lives in you, he will make you perfect. He will remove sin. Now, chapter 2. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart. That's my purpose today. That you could be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I need to go back a moment. This week I've been talking to you about taking time to be holy. You're not going to catch what I'm trying to say to you today by not listening to the entire broadcast. If you don't have the ability today to listen right now, go to YouTube, go to the video. It's there. It'll be up. As soon as this broadcast is finished, it will be posted to YouTube. You also can go back and listen again in your comfort on our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Now, what I'm saying is, my words to you from the Word of God are so strange to this culture that you're not going to catch it the first time you hear it. You're going to have to hear it and then pray about it. I speak with people all the time who are reacting they react to their boss they complain they react to their wife or their husband with unkind words they react with hostility if things aren't the way they want them to be there's a constant reaction instead of arresting in jesus We're called to rest in Jesus. We're called to let Jesus live in us, to dwell in us, to take possession of us. Now he wants to speak, the Apostle Paul wants to speak very clearly 
about what will cause us to react and not have Christ in us and be struggling with our sin. Verse 6, this is chapter 2 of Colossians, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted, build up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, I want to look this up in another scripture. Let me turn quickly to Colossians. Colossians, if you're following in your Bible, the second chapter, verse 6, Colossians 2 6. Let me read this passage to you. As therefore you received Christ Jesus the Lord, you must continue walking in him, having been rooted and being built up in him, and being firmly established in the faith as you were taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. You must watch out lest there shall be anyone leading you astray through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the elemental things of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Back to the NIV. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Please, hear me. It is impossible to live in the world, things of the flesh, and to have Jesus dwell in you at the same time. You can't do it. If you begin to walk in the flesh, the presence of Jesus in the Holy Spirit will leave you, and you will be left with a spirit that is not happy, not comfortable, not at peace, because you'll know that you have wounded Jesus. Verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In other words, Jesus was in a body, but the Father and the Holy Spirit lived inside of Jesus. Remember, he said, I only speak the words that the Father gives me to speak. Well, did he go out somewhere and get a download a letter, a message, go here and say this. No, he didn't. The Father lived in him. They had intimate communion. It is the purpose of God 
that you have intimate communion with Jesus Christ as he is in you the hope of glory. Also, that you would have intimate communion with the Father. Also, that you would have intimate communion with the Holy Spirit. God is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and every authority. Jesus has the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in him. The Apostle Paul is saying that Christ in you is the hope of glory. In other words, the fullness of God is to dwell in us. Now he goes on. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, or the flesh. Some of you believe that you're always going to be fighting with the flesh, and you go to Romans 7 to teach this, and you're under the law, you're under condemnation, you're always, and then you, you get this lie that says, no, when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees himself. That's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say that Jesus is going to come and actually dwell in you, not look at you, he's going to be in you. He's going to dwell in you. And that this sinful nature is to be circumcised or cut out of you, cut off from you. Isn't that what the word is saying? Look it up. Colossians, the second chapter. This isn't Pastor Ray. This is the Apostle Paul. Colossians 2, verse 10. You have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature or your flesh, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, raised with him to your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Now. going to do with that? How are you going to deal with that? It's very clear that every Christian who is truly a Christian I'm not talking about church people, I'm not talking about pastors, I'm not talking about any of the wise men of our age I'm talking about what the Apostle Paul, under revelation in our scriptures, reveals to us about Jesus' purpose and the mystery of God, that we should be filled with the utter fullness of God himself. And that the purpose 
is for Jesus now, by his grace, to circumcise you and to cut off from you the old flesh so that you no longer struggle with it. You are washed and made clean. He goes on. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Is that your current experience? Or are you a Roman 7 Christian, doing what you don't want to do, never able to find the deliverance, never able to get the victory, always struggling, always agonizing, or just blow it off and say it doesn't matter. Jesus loves me. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. The preacher says, I don't have to leave my sin. I can walk in my sin. That's an utter deception. A wicked deception. When you're dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature or your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Is that the Ten Commandments? No, he didn't nail the Ten Commandments to the cross. He nailed all of the Jewish obligations, the ceremonial laws, the food laws, the sacrifice laws, there are some people who want to go back and, and reinstitute these celebrations. And Paul says, no. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Now, let me try to get right down to the bottom line. I am very concerned that many of you listening live day by day under condemnation or you live day by day in the ignorance of your standing before God as you continue to walk in the wickedness of your heart what is circumcision in the Old Testament it was a sign that was given to Moses he was to circumcise the children of Israel. 
he was to circumcise his son. What is circumcision? It's the cutting off of the foreskin of the male penis. What is the symbolism? That a man cannot produce anything without the recognition that he is utterly and totally given into the hands of God. Now, we don't practice religious circumcision today, but the Father says that Jesus will circumcise us. He will cut off from us every human attempt to produce in our own flesh righteousness. Righteousness or innocence or sinlessness is something that is given to us by the hand of God. It's not something we have to constantly fight against. It is what we come to Jesus and repent take responsibility for and ask him to totally cut off from our hearts whatever that wickedness might be. Now, he becomes very specific in the third chapter. Since then, that is, since you have been baptized in Christ, since he has cut off this sin from your heart. You have been raised with Christ, so set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, your rightful position is seated at the right hand of God with Jesus. In the Spirit, that's where we're called to dwell and to live. And the day will come when these physical bodies will be laid aside and we too will be given that beautiful body that we will dwell in through eternity. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The call for every Christian is to leave everything of this world, to not love this world. I'll turn quickly to another passage. Keep your finger right there. In 1 John, the second chapter, verse 15, do not love the world, do not agape, do not sacrifice yourself for this world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, now this is what is in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the physical indulgences, the sexual pleasure, everything that is a craving, of the sinful man. The lust of his eyes, that is for things, 
that car. Pride of life. So let me read it. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Then he says, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come. What is an Antichrist? literally something that substitutes and takes the place of Jesus. That substitutes and takes the place in our hearts of Jesus. Now, let's be very straight. If you love the things of this world, you are substituting them for your love for Jesus Christ. Now he becomes very specific. Put to death, this is chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, it has to be put to death. Do you see, if, if what I'm describing for you out of the book of Colossians were to be put into practice, the church today would be totally transformed. It would not be a place of entertainment. It would not be a place where the pastor cracks jokes or talks about the latest movie or whatever he's going to talk about. He would not be doing that. Just read this morning an interesting article that that says the church has defined itself as a place where people go. Now, we've said the church is the people, but in practice, it's a place where we go. And in that place, the church growth people began to go out and do polling in the neighborhood and find out what do you like about church and what do you not like about church and what would you like to see in church? Well. It was discovered that many of the symbols they were uncomfortable with, like the cross. So let's take the cross out of the church. And then they discovered that they had felt needs, and and they needed daycare, and they needed programs, they needed seminars and workshops. Okay, let's provide that. They needed music that was alive and entertaining for them. Okay, let's provide that, and let's turn the church into a celebration church, and let's bring in all kinds of music, and then let's bring in concerts, and let's bring in plays, and let's bring in, let's make the church a real center, a family center of of entertainment. Let's Let's have a game night. Let's have this, and let's have that. So that's what has happened in the church. Has it worked? Well, yes. 
In some ways it has worked, and great megachurches have been built around this principle of, of meeting felt needs. But most people don't have a felt need for righteousness. Instead, they're comfortable struggling along, drifting like sheep without a shepherd. They're not preparing to go to heaven. They want to live a good life right now. They want to progress in their job. They want to make more money. They want to have more vacations. They want retirement. They want luxury. But none of that is what the church is about. The church is about walking holy before God, having a reverence for the Almighty, living in such a manner that by the glory of God, by the grace of Jesus, sin is cut from our hearts and we walk innocent and clean before him and our focus is now on serving him and loving others. He says, put to death, therefore, King James Version says, mortify or bring shame to whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And now he's going to identify specifically what he's talking about. Sexual immorality. Fornication, in other words. Fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Impurity. We could say pornography. The filthiness of the human heart. Lust. I have to have that. I'm going to get it. I have to have it. Evil desires. Greed, which is idolatry, that is, worshiping an antichrist. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. And now he gives another hit list. Anger. Rage. Malice. Slander. Filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And if we go to Galatians, I want to read for you a portion of of Galatians. This is Galatians, the third chapter. I'll begin with verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to catch that. You are all sons of God. Verse 27. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Have clothed yourselves with Christ. You were baptized 
into Christ. You are now clothed with Christ. Remember Christ in you, the hope of glory? Now listen in verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is this, that as long as an heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Though he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. I want you to notice who's included. These are sons who are eligible for the birthright. These are sons who are eligible to receive. And it says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' eyes, there is no longer a man or a woman, a black or a white man or woman. There is no longer any distinction between us. We have been made the seed of Abraham. We have been brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Christ now dwells in us in all of his fullness. We have been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 5, Galatians, verse 1, for it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. By a yoke of slavery. Now let me try to pull this together quickly. We have been made in the image of Jesus Christ. We are made whole. We are no longer to walk as sinners struggling. We're no longer to walk as participants in the wickedness of this world. We are called out of walking in wickedness. It is to be utterly cast aside. There's no longer a Greek or a Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. What I want you to hear today, and I don't know how quite to say this to you, you cannot go on living like the world 
and just spray paint Jesus on you and call yourself a Christian. You cannot wander like sheep without a shepherd, grabbing this wickedness or that wickedness and call yourself a Christian. You are called out of the world of wickedness and into Jesus Christ. So today you are called to be Jesus in the world, doing what Jesus would do in the world. You are called to give up your life and take on the life of Jesus Christ. And it is a supernatural work of of change and transformation. It is not done by human power or human energy. It is done by the mighty power of Jesus as he comes and circumcises our hearts and transforms us into his likeness. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and be thankful, and be thankful. Whatever you do, whatever, in word or deed, Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. What an amazing, awesome picture. The problem we're facing in America is that we have become, and the church has become, like the world. And there's going to have to be places where we can gather in the name of Jesus and we can begin to deal with the reality of being transformed into the likeness of Jesus, where we can pray for one another, where we can lift one another up, where we can love each other in holiness, where we can speak honestly and clearly to one another about what's happening in our lives and in our brother or sister's life. very clear we need to come in love and mercy and grace to each other and we're going to have to find a different kind of church than one where we go and listen and then walk away Galatians the 6th chapter Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. For each should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There is a a lie that is so commonly spoken today the belief that you can walk in your sin and still be saved. The belief that you can treat brothers and sisters with contempt and still be saved. That you can rank on your wife or your husband, yell and scream at your children and still be saved. That you can cheat and lie that you can live any way you want to live. You're just going to try to survive. You've been lied to. The call of Jesus is to be transformed into his likeness by the miraculous supernatural power of Jesus as he comes into your life when you humble your heart before God. And you begin to make decisions to cut off those things in your life by the power of the blood that you know are wicked. So what is it in your life today that Jesus is saying that blocks my presence has to go? Some of you know what it is. And some of you have been walking in your wickedness for so long, your conscience is seared, and you've got to begin by saying, Lord Jesus, what do you want to do in my life? I give it to you. What do you want to do? How do you want to change me? And then as you read the scriptures, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, as you read the scriptures, You say, oh, I don't understand them. No, it takes time to understand them. It takes time to pray. Before I come to the scripture, I say, Jesus, please unveil my eyes. As I prayed at the beginning of this broadcast, give us eyes that see and ears that hear, that we could be transformed into your likeness, Jesus, that the fullness of the Godhead could come and dwell in us. going to have to be a change we're going to have to allow Jesus to come in and receive his baptism to be transformed totally into his likeness 
and cut off these things of the world, things I've shared with you today. Jesus will do that if you will let him. But you have to make decisions. It's you who decides you're going to pick up that cigarette. It's you who decides you're going to pick up that glass of wine or alcohol. It's you who decides that you're going to fornicate. It's you who decides that you're going to lie or cheat. You're the one who decides. The Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus, is eager to give you the power to make the decision to serve Jesus. Well, we're out of time for the broadcast today. I pray this has been helpful to you. I'm eager to hear from you. I'm eager to have you come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. You'll find it a small group intent on following Jesus. If you'd like to call, I'll give you directions on how to come. Just call me. My phone number is 703-489-1785. Let me give you that number again. 703-489-1785. Now, I'd also love to hear from you. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also go online and donate there. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'm praying for you. It's time for revival in Washington, D.C. I'll talk to you soon. Through Jesus Christ alone.